Music strikes back. War mostly brings misery to the country and its people. The nation and its leaders might have their own reason and justifications, but for the citizens it spells heaps of misfortunes. Narayan Ganj, situated on the outskirts of Dhaka, a place small enough to be missed on the map but had still managed to engrave itself in the history of Bangladesh, erstwhile Pakistan. Otherwise, a quaint small town, it came into its historical fame and light in the 17th century with the influx of Portuguese and English who established jute trading over there, and it was aptly called Dundee of Bangladesh. Previously called Sonar Gaon, it got its present name after the Battle of Plassey, when a religious leader leased this town from the East India Company and endowed it in turn for the service of God, Narayan, and hence the name. The town was on the bank of the Shitalakshya River, wherein the port of Narayanganj was an important shipping and industrial center in Bangladesh. Soon, the district pioneered in merchandising yarn and dyeing items. The town was buzzing with crowded marketplaces and surging businesses, resulting in newer, bigger, multi-story houses and administrative buildings. The riverbank of the Shitalakshya had never seen such swarming of traders, merchants and businesses in the last few years. The first half of 71 had seen the place rife with atrocities of the Pakistan army. Hindus hunted from villages and from door to door, shot off hand after a cursory short arm inspection that showed they were uncircumcised. Millions were killed and millions raped, thereby spreading terror. Bengali Hindus were treated like scum and vermin better exterminated. It was December 4, 1971, and Bikon Lal Pandey was rushing through the bazaar. He heard the azan of Thur and hurried his pace. Shops lined on either side of the alley were selling everything from flowers to books. The air was pregnant with the fragrance of incense emanating from different shops and getting mixed up, reminiscent of the communal harmony it once had and was pleasant to the senses. To add to the already challenged olfactory sense, a couple of sweet shops were dunking freshly fried jellybees in the sugar syrup, which were irresistibly beckoning. But all these and many more temptations couldn't slacken Bacon's pace today. He was a man with a purpose and destination. Born and brought up in a Brahmin Hindu family, he had a modest raising. His father was head clerk in a jute mill and earned just enough to make the things rolling sometimes comfortably and sometimes not. His father was fond of listening to Indian semi-classical and classical music. As a result, Bacon was exposed to music in his early life. As Bacon grew up, he started showing a flair for singing. He specialized in bhajans and Indian classical vocal singing, for which his father never discouraged him. His father could find solace only in music when he lost his wife, during the birth of Bacon and was left alone at a very young age of 30. Music was his only companion in those long forlorn evenings. Bacon's talent of singing was evident from childhood and everyone who heard him hoped that one day he would be an eminent singer. As Bacon reached 16, his father arranged for a tuition from a local guru on music. Bacon was a fast learner and soaked whatever his guru had for him. In a couple of years, he was as good as his teacher, if not more. 
He was married at the age of 18 and in the next 3 years he fathered two children. A growing family had growing needs and it was a difficult time to bring in more finance. When Pakistan's army was trying to suppress locals and establish Muslim supremacy, art and music took a back seat in this chaotic time. Not having been trained for anything other than music, he tried for a job at places as discordant in mills and post office and worked at ill-suited positions like clerk and janitor. These have been hard times, not just for himself but for society at large. Jobs were difficult to come by and easy to lose, more so for Hindus, as there was rampant genocide by Pakistani army on native Bengalis. Every conceivable horror and atrocities were bestowed on already shrinking indigenous Hindu community and their already low numbers dwindled even lower. The hostilities and the ensuing carnage were widespread and Hindus were being expunged from erstwhile East Pakistan. They either flee or were being killed at meteoric pace. Notwithstanding, Bikon was summoned by a rich businessman from Dhaka, Mujibur Rahman. on his father's behest to see him in his office for the prospect of engaging him as a music teacher for his daughter he was told it would be a well paid job and he would have an opportunity to meet great masters of indian music and learn from them he fretted as he was running late and so hurried his steps at the town hall he found his way to the chamber where he met his prospective employer sitting with his accountant he bowed salam alaikum Waalaikum assalam Sahib I am Bekon Bekon Lal you must have met my father the other day in your office and he told me that you wished to see me Oh yes why don't you sit down tea water No thanks sir I was told you required a music teacher for your daughter Yes will you be able to do this have you taught anywhere else Yes sir I had been teaching in the school for a few months but had to leave because of non-payment yes i understand the bacon thought he didn't as these were tough times both for employer and employee so will you be able to move to dhaka yes sure but as you can see i have a family and will have to earn for two places never mind about that i would pay you 100 rupees for a month and lodging would be my responsibility plus you will have four paid days off in a month to see your family Bikon couldn't speak further as his heart went a flutter though deep inside he thought he deserved this and more perhaps but in the last 2 years his confidence and self-esteem had ebbed it wasn't necessary at all for him to say yes as his face and gesture had already done so so you can come on monday 6th of december my accountant here will work things out for you he strutted past the market ignoring the shops and their enticements once more That evening the family huddled in Batak after dinner his father in a lawn chair with hookah and wife standing beside him they were listening to bhajans on the radio as their daily routine they all were visibly rattled when the musical notes stopped abruptly and said it for a flash news announcement in a matter of fact tone the news reader said that pakistan had preemptively struck indian air bases precisely 11 in number in the afternoon and that this has caused an already tense situation across the border to escalate soon there would be a high level meeting of defense minister the home minister and prime minister ayub khan in lahore it casted a spell of trepidation in the air and on the inhabitants of this room 
Not foreseeing the far-reaching implications of this, Mikon's wife cursed the war and carried on with her course. His father, with more worldly experience, thought of this as grave. Bacon, gleeful with his new appointment, didn't allow the seemingly unimportant piece of news to unhinge him. He slept very peacefully that night, oblivious of what the next day had in store for him. The following morning, while sauntering in a nearby market, he could sense some heaviness in the atmosphere. The usual affability and bonhomie of the dwellers seemed a thing of the past. Though he couldn't relate this to yesterday's attack, yet perceived this as something sinister. He hurried off to his house and spent the day arranging and sorting things of his need for departure. After supper, his father came to him and told hesitantly about the possibility of an impending war. India had retaliated by foreing into Pakistan and reaching as far as 300 kilometers inside the Alusi. This had all the chances of escalating into full-fledged war between the two countries. He urged Bacon to postpone his program of leaving for Dhaka. Bacon became distraught. After such a long wait, he was hopeful of earning some decent money and more than that, some self-respect. He was buying for doing what he loved the most. And it all seemed to vaporize. He loathed the war, still keeping his hopes afloat, continued packing, though without the enthusiasm he had. That night, he couldn't sleep. The next morning, he woke up with commotion on the street. He crawled out of his bed and trudged to the window to find people from across the street, huddled up in small groups and jabbering away. Then he saw one long-bearded and skull-capped Maulana having a heated argument with his father on the porch. He had never seen his father look so animated. After the Maulana left, his father barged in, agitated and almost in a fit and quivered visibly while telling them to be travel-ready and gather all the valuables which they can, and be ready for a long journey. Bacon was indecisively frozen. He took a few moments to gather the situation, some from his father's broken and agitated words, and some by the turn of events in the last 24 hours. India had engaged herself in a full-throttled war on Pakistan. As retaliation, Hindu Bengalis were being targeted countrywide by rioters and Pakistan army. Their family lived in this locality for 30 years, and whatever belonged to them was in this house. The local Maulana had been gracious enough, and as regards to his father, he had asked them to pack whatever valuable was there and leave their house immediately. He expressed his inability to hold them off for too long. If they come now, the Maulana dreaded the outcome would be plundering and bloodshed. It was painstakingly difficult to gather your life in one suitcase, and that too in a matter of a few minutes. Bacon looked around with wet eyes and felt there was hardly anything that was vain to leave behind. He roved his eyes from alarm clock to radio to his clothes hanging on the peg to his harmonium. He was shattered. There wasn't a thing that he could abandon. And yet, he had only few minutes to choose the things precious enough for travel. He gathered himself with an aching heart and opened his already packed suitcase to repack, for a different purpose, for a different destiny. They sneaked out of their own house like thieves in the pre-dawn hours of the next morning. Bacon carried a suitcase in his right hand and the harmonium on his left shoulder. His wife tucked the two kids on her either side and his father took a good-sized carry bag containing some important documents, few edibles and whatever little cash and jewellery they had as valuables. 
with a wave nondescript silhoud against the twilight they already looked like refugees the molana more out of a sense of responsibility than friendship escorted them till the end of their alley and then left them on their own it was a gesture of camaraderie as imposing as could be for which pecon's father was grateful and obliged they were lucky to be given a chance to escape because there had been people who were not fortunate enough to see the threshold of their homes pecon realized his father had earned quite a lot over time not in terms of money but in terms of reputation and goodwill which they could redeem today to save their lives his long cherished dream of living in a big city and working his way up to become a notable singer got a blow today He had more pressing needs food shelter and safety for his family and self music can wait they had just embarked on their journey little knowing where to go feeling quite scared and betrayed lacking trust and direction over the course of the next few days they strayed from street to street down to town sometimes on foot other times on a bullock cart or a bus Along the journey they learned that India is letting few Bengali Hindus and people of other ethnicities who were victims of Pakistani atrocities cross the border and enter India making their way to the border was a tough task for them firstly due to unsafe atmosphere and secondly they didn't have much resources with them the conniving officials were transporting refugees across the border in lieu of money big money otherwise the same officials were determined to find and exterminate them they mostly traveled in pre-dawn hours when they were veiled in obscurity by the poor light and deserted roads and spent their afternoons in some flea bag inns on the outskirts or some shelter homes if they got lucky they gathered information as they moved the information which was cautiously solicited and skeptically looked upon and seldom used the information which was not easy to come and even harder to believe To make themselves look inconspicuous and hence invulnerable, Bikon bought skull caps for himself and his father and burqa for his wife. Luckily, children posed no problem in betraying their identity without such get-ups. They had even rehearsed their Muslim alliances just to be sure if they were to be intercepted. Steadily, yet stealthily, they paved their way, interacting as less as possible with the locals on the way. Four days they had survived on the roads since they uprooted themselves and like a fallen leaf were being blown from village to village from road to road every day appeared as a sentence to them bringing its own set of problems and hardships and they learned along the way how to cope with them they had learned multitudinous ways to stay safe against the strong winds of fear and uncertainty but so far they could hardly cover 50 kilometers their progress worried them because with this pace they would take 15 days to reach the border the roads were unsafe to walk upon and the inns for staying today they thought of walking a little later than the pre-dawn hours into the broad daylight they had distance looming large on their minds normally they would break the road early and walk alongside in the fields amongst the bushes to betray their pretty garment pecon heard a bike close by he signaled everyone to hush up and kept walking straight ahead without looking sideways unfortunately no bush or tree was nearby and they just hoped the passerby do not notice them they heard the bike pass by it was a policeman they all took a deep sigh of relief a second too early as they saw him turn back he parked the bike roadside and with a swagger approached them where are you going 
The loud cracking sound startled them. Their faces went blanched white and their voice stuck in the throat. Their presence here communicated treason and impending doom for them. His father mustered courage and said, trying to hide all the shakiness in his voice, "We are going to our sister who lives in a nearby village." And your name might be? The officer asked Bikon. Abdul Bikon said hesitatingly. He had rehearsed this many times before, but speaking his new name to someone else for the first time, it felt strange to his ears. Even stranger was the response of the policeman who frowned. And yours? He faced his wife, Nagma. Dissatisfied, he pointed to the kids by her side, them, Faz and Shabana. He looked suspiciously towards them. He had a strong intuition about them being hiding their true religion. You come here to me. He beckoned Bikon to come. at another side of the field drop your pajama bukon stood still crest fallen this is it they were exposed now sahib leave us alone we are poor people we will leave this place he begged hands folded and head down what do you have in this bundle over here the officer pointed to the small bundle he was carrying tied over his waist you want you can take this a few trinkets we had saved for tough times but you can have them if you want The cop opened it and weighed it with his hand. It was a tenuous necklace, about two or three tolas. Anything else? He growled. No, sahib. Just these fifty rupees. Bikon pointed to his breast pocket. The cop snatched these from Bikon's pocket with audacity. They all stood there motionless and helpless, and watched the policemen loot them in broad daylight and fade away in the oblivion. Just when they thought the life for them couldn't be any more miserable, this happened. With no money and still a long way to the border, they despaired and felt weak in their knees. But it is said, with tough times comes strength. From deep inside, from some unseen reservoir, strength came, which they didn't know existed. They grew fearless, as they had fewer things to lose now. Standing motionless for some time, they resumed their journey. A sense of fearlessness pervaded now. Each and every step they took was with certitude and defiance. They traveled through Srinagar, crossed Padma, Onavar, and passed many other cities and towns like Silchar, Gopalganj, Romkilna, and Thala. Soon they lost track of names of places they traveled. Bikon had never gone this far from Narayanganj and was overwhelmed by the enormity of his journey. He consoled himself: God may have given us war, but the same God has given us strength too. After so many years, he could not do his riyas. He had moved too far from his home, and so did his music. To look back, thinking about this, his heart twinged. It took around twelve days for them to reach Kaliganj, barely three hundred kilometers from Narayanganj. The journey could not be counted by the distance only. They had travelled a long way in their attitudes, beliefs, hopes, and patriotism. They were not self-pitying any more. They were happy that they made it through. Even if they had to travel this far, they had abandoned all hopes to be reunited with their home. The hope ebbing as they moved ahead. The last bus they took was for Kaliganj, which was the last town in their sojourn. When they alighted the bus, they didn't have a single rupee on them. After being robbed of the money by the police officer, Bikon's wife produced a wad of small value notes amounting to twenty rupees, which she had saved in Narayanganj for tough times. From here, they had to walk their way through the jungle to reach a camp near the border, where they would be herded across the border like cattle. At least they would be safe, though destitute. 
It was approximately four kilometers from where they stood, facing in the direction of what was perhaps the border. It felt safer here in the jungle, away from the town and its civility. It was the final leg of their plight. Their next resting would be a small makeshift refugee camp, which was being provided by the Liberation Army. Bikon took a long look at the bus which they had alighted that was fading off along the horizon of their homeland. The sun setting on their side added to the poignancy of this moment. They reached the camp after an hour and half of trudging. There were around 50 refugees like them in that camp. These nameless and sorrowful people had come from all over the land. They were to be detained there till the Indian Army officials arrived the next morning checked their documents and allowed them to pass the border to enter India. In the evening, they were served a dinner, which was the best they had so far after leaving their home. After so many days of living off the road, they got decent food. Mekon didn't eat much though. After dinner, they all gathered around a fireplace and spoke to each other hesitantly. Out of recently learned survival instinct, but relaxed gradually as they chatted along. How much can change in a matter of a few days? After so many days, Bacon felt like singing today. He positioned his harmonium on a stone slab and sat cross-legged beside it. He toyed with the keys for a while as if to caress a long-lost beloved and then turned the keys a little. He took out hymnal from his bag and sparing no time started singing, opening the rug with the initial warble across the melodic canvas like a refrain he sang. Hari 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 And then he started the bandish words Manitarpat Hari Darshan ko aaj Muri tum bin bigde Yarn to see Lord Vishnu today. Without you, everything is going wrong. He sang in his mellifluous voice like never before. For the first time, he sang not for the audience or his students, but for himself. It was an effortless yet a passionate act. He was oblivious to the people around him. It seemed that he was singing to himself, trying to ease his weary mind, to forget all his pains, humiliations and miseries. He was showering multiple colors with short spurts of dance as refrains while catching the mukra, words, to establish the meaning and the fervor of the composition. His bhajans did a lot of things for the raptured audience. It transported them. It took them right back to the time when they sat on riverbanks in the evenings and heard bhajans emanating from a nearby temple along with peeling of bells. The songs uplifted their spirit almost as if with a healing power. While Vikon was singing without noticing the other refugees around him, these people huddled around him to be lifted from their angst, sorrows and self-pity. For a while, they lost their pain and agony and felt spellbound. There was a spiritual aura looming in the air which hypnotized everyone present there. He sang bhajans, him, one after another, stopping only to wet his cords. His renditions rendered the atmosphere of grief metamorphose into a ceremonial one. His wife looked at him incredulously as she had never seen him before. He had once mentioned to her a few years back that the highest form of singing was the song sung for God, and it appeared to her that today he was seeing Lord Krishna sitting in front of him. 
He sang with his eyes closed and his body swaying in reverence as if the Almighty is sitting in front of him. It was as if some divine power controlled him. Miseries disappeared. Time came to a standstill. After two hours of incessant singing, he stopped abruptly and started crying. Together with him, everyone else cried. Even the most astute and stoic could not help to betray their emotions. And they kept on crying as there was no one to console. They all cried shamelessly without even trying to hold themselves back. It appeared as all their pain and sorrow was being melted and took form of tears. All his life, Pekon had yearned for his music as his livelihood and today his music earned him more than mere money. He learned the power to liberate people through music. Each and every fallen tear shone like a pearl against the flickering candle lights as music reigned supreme.